I want to uh, take some time this morning to just talk to you about this idea that we build people. It's not a new concept for us. This is actually the, the seventh week in our series. And last week, uh, we talked about how we build people through our worship to God. As we reach to God in worship, we can build people. It's a testimony to, to the world around us. And one of the things that we said uh, last week was that worship changes the atmosphere. Did anybody feel that happen this morning besides me? I don't know. Maybe you drive to church in a, in a cloud of glory. <laughs> I mean, if that's your experience, good for you. But for some of us, there's a shift that happens when God's people begin to lift their voice, when we begin to praise God and, and worship God. Something awesome happens. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie that you just, you were so moved by the score that you had to go out and buy the movie soundtrack afterwards. Uh, I can remember it was 1997 uh, when my wife and I, now we were just dating at the time. We were only four. And no, I'm kidding. Uh, we were young adults and I took her up to Harrisburg. I think they had an IMAX theater up there and we watched Titanic on the, on the big screen. And, and that, that music, you know, it was like oh, everybody wanted to have a pan flute on the worship team after that it was like so awesome and she went out and bought the soundtrack well worship is the soundtrack to the supernatural something that's just moving us towards what god wants to do when we worship and last week we talked about how the spirit of god sets the atmosphere for what he wants to do well i want to tell you today that god uh we don't only build people up when we worship God, but we also build people when we reach out in witness. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The idea that God has uh, empowered us by his spirit to be witnesses. That he's, he's given you the capability to do this for a purpose. He wants you to build people, each and every one of us. He's called us in to this task. Now, last week in the message, I shared a message with you, uh, a verse of scripture out of Psalms, and it's Psalm 40 and verse 3. And I just want to read this verse again. It says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now, the reason I'm going to that verse today is a little different than why I went to it last week. Because there's a lot of people today, they have no desire to share their faith with people. They have, they're, they're like secret agent Christians because you don't know where they are. And they have no desire to speak, to witness, to talk to people about Jesus. And they would love that verse, Psalm 40 and verse 3. You, you can leave that up there. They love it because the Bible says that people see our worship and they put their trust in God. And so they might rationalize and say, well, there, I don't, I don't have to witness I don't have to reach out to people. I can just worship God and my worship to God is a witness to other people. They have no desire to express outwardly their inward convictions about God. But actually, this verse, it communicates that, that worship demands an outward expression. I mean, look at it. It says, uh, he put a new song of praise to our God that many will see and fear. They see something. There's something that ought to be happening in your life. There's something that ought to be going on when you're worshiping God, that people can see it, that there's evidence in your life of what is actually happening. Worship is compelling. But when it comes to building people, 
Worship is not the only way. It's only one small way. And I want to talk to you about our witness. There's a verse that I just want you to see here in 1 Peter chapter 3. And the Bible says in the middle part of that verse, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared, he said, to give an answer. Not a song. He said, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Can I tell you, church, that Christian conversation is totally different than having a conversation with Christians. When you think about that. Christian conversation is different than having a conversation with Christians. Because there's a lot of people that we, we have conversation with other Christians. But we never have Christian conversations. And here's what I believe. I believe that one of the reasons that some Christians are not comfortable sharing their faith and talking about their salvation with unsaved people is because they've never actually talked about their salvation and shared their faith with saved people. Just personal evaluation. Ask yourself this question. When's the last time that I had a Christian conversation with people about what God's doing in my life, about how he saved me, about what he's brought me through? There are some Christians, they never talk about their faith even with saved people. Here's the reality, that if you never talk to the body of Christ about what God's doing in your life, how he's working, the prayers you're praying, the prayers he's answering, then it's going to be too high a hurdle for you to get over to think that you have the confidence to then share your faith with lost people. And so... In week five of this series, I talked about some of the values of of getting your hands dirty in Christian community, about getting involved in building community. And one of the blessings, this isn't one we talked about, but we certainly could have. One of the blessings of being involved in Christian community is effective evangelism. The fact that you can be more effective in reaching the lost, because maybe you're afraid to talk about your faith. But when you have Christian conversation, not just conversation with Christians, you know, to stand around and and talk about the football game with a bunch of people that believe in Jesus, that's not Christian conversation. You know, to just avoid profanity or, or lewd jokes, that's not Christian conversation. But when you have opportunity and you talk about your faith, you talk about your relationship with God, it builds confidence. It builds uh, an assurance of how to articulate your convictions, how to articulate your beliefs. It's a safety net. It's a safe place to talk about what God is doing in your life. That's a value that we don't get unless we build relationships with other people. Listen, it's not enough, church. It's not enough to say, I'm going to let my life be my witness. How many of you heard somebody say that before? You know, I'm, I'm not really a speaker. I'm not, I'm not really a preacher type. I don't really have that many scriptures memorized. But, but you know what? I just let my lifestyle be my testimony. I, just the way that I live, that's what I want people to know. Listen, your worship, as you lift God, it can testify. Your works can testify. But faith comes by your words. Not your worship. Not your works. Faith comes by your words. That's exactly what Paul the Apostle said in in the book of Romans, chapter 10. He said, consequently, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the message. 
So I'm answering the question this morning, how do we build people? How do we do what God has called us to do, what God has empowered us to do by his Holy Spirit? I want you to know this morning that our witness is only effective. It's only effective when the Holy Spirit is a part of the process. That's why we have to have a spirit-empowered witness. I just want to take a couple of minutes here at the beginning of this message to talk to you about the reality that if the Holy Spirit is not a part of the process, our witness is ineffective. Jesus, in fact, was speaking to someone that, if it was in this day and age, we would all assume is the most righteous person. The most godly person. He was speaking to one of the religious leaders, one of the teachers, the biblical scholars of his day. He had a conversation in John chapter 3 in verse 19. He was talking to a man named Nicodemus. And he was talking to him about the reality of humanity, including this religious man. And look at this verse, John 3 and verse 19. He said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And Jesus looked right past the religious facade. And Nicodemus knew that he wasn't uh, tricking anyone. And we do it too. We can look right past all the, the outward facade of religiosity. And we know, if we're honest, we know that our hearts are bent towards evil. Our hearts are bent towards unrighteousness and ungodliness. Think about this. How did you get here today? You might say it was my family that brought me or it was the church website or it was, uh, you know, an invitation from a friend. How, How did you get here today? We could say a number of reasons that we got here today. But the reality is no one is seeking God. Unless the Spirit of God is drawing them. You, you can be in a place where God is and be totally cold and callous towards His voice. But to seek God, to pursue God, requires that the Spirit of God draws you towards God. In fact, Paul talked about this. I, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If, if you don't, we'll put this one on the screen as well. But I want you to see... That Paul was writing to a church that wanted to give credit and exalt the men of God that God was using. And so in response to this idea that one minister or one Christian is, is more effective than another, we should, we should follow this guy or we should follow this lady, that we should clamor after these leaders, Paul writes in response to that and he emphasizes what the Holy Spirit does in soul winning. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you dare look with me at verse number six, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. You see that? God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Can I tell you, church, you can't divorce soul winning from the supernatural. There is a supernatural activity that is taking place. Jesus said this. He said, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. There's something supernatural that takes place in soul winning. So when it comes to us building people, when it comes to us reaching the lost, when it comes to us having any kind of impact, 
in a spiritual sense, in people's eternity, we have to remember what Jesus said in John 15, 5. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And in verse 5, he said this. He said, unless you remain in me, you can do nothing. When it comes to soul winning, without Jesus, we can do nothing. And so he's given us his spirit so that we can have spirit-empowered witnessing. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, and this is a, a popular verse, and many of you could quote this verse, but if you want to turn back a couple of pages to the very beginning of the book of Acts, this is Jesus launching this church that he's building. He's starting the whole thing, and he's starting it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says these words in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when, not not before, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be called my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can I just tell you, church, this is the very beginning of the church we're looking at here in this verse. You were never called to witness to anyone without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Is that what it says? I mean, they were ready to go. They were ready to go out and reach the world. They were, they were impacted by the empty tomb. But Jesus said in verse 4 of that same chapter, Don't go. Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait till I send the Spirit. And after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's right where you live. In Judea, the surrounding area. In Samaria, across cultural lines. And to the ends of the earth. If you're in Acts, just go with me over to chapter 16. And we're going to stay here for a little while. Acts chapter 16. Paul gives us a picture here. Actually, Luke is the writer. And he gives us some insight into what the Holy Spirit does to empower our witness. And I want you to see this because we're talking about how we build people. And one of the ways we have to use to build people is being a witness. Being a witness to those around us. I want you to see how, how significant the Holy Spirit's role is in our doing this. Acts chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Just these two verses. There's a whole sermon's worth of content right here. It says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down, and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now what we have in these two verses is a picture of what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 3 when he said one plants the seed, another waters the seed, but it's God who brings the increase. He said, here, here they were. It, Luke wrote this. He said, we sat down and we began to speak. That's what the apostles did. That's what Paul did. He sat down and he began to speak. But verse 14 says, but the Lord opened her heart to the gospel. Can I just tell you, church, right now, the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. Right now. And I, I don't just mean in this room. I mean, right now, people that you work with, the Holy Spirit is working in in their hearts, people that you walk the halls of your school with. Right now, the Holy Spirit is working in their heart. He's opening their heart to the gospel. Right now, 
He goes before us and he prepares the way for us to be an influencer. He's working in their life in the exact same way that he worked in Lydia's life to open their heart to the gospel. But here's the thought I want you to consider. What if Paul hadn't shared the message? He said, we saw them and and we spoke to them and the Lord had opened their heart. But what if they hadn't shared the message? It's a rhetorical question. It's the same rhetorical question that Paul asked when he wrote to the Romans. And Paul was trying to get them to understand this same concept of how important it is that we understand, yes, the Holy Spirit goes before us and he does the work, but we have a part to play in this role of witnessing. Here's what Paul said in Romans 10, verse 14. Look at it on the screen. He said, how then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They can't. That's the answer. In every situation, they can't call on someone that they haven't believed in. They can't believe in someone that they haven't heard about. They can't hear about them if somebody doesn't witness, if somebody doesn't tell them. So Acts 16 tells us this little simple truth. The Spirit is working where you are walking. Can we just say that together this morning? The Spirit is working where you are walking. So in Acts 16, they show up at this little community of Philippi. And on the gate of the city is is a sign that's posted, engraved in stone, that says you cannot bring some outside religion inside the gates of this city. And so on the Sabbath, they go outside of the city to the river to find a place to pray. They're just walking in obedience to God. They're just doing what was their custom. They're walking in faithfulness. There's Paul and there's Luke and there's Timothy and Silas. And they're in between destinations. They're traveling and they just prioritize worship their relationship with God. And they say, we want to find a place that we can pray. But this is what spirit-empowered worship looks like. They see a group of women by the river and they strike up conversation. Now, from Lydia's standpoint, this is just another day. She's got things to do. She goes to the river. It's just another day. From the disciples' standpoint, this is just about faithfulness. This is just about serving God, finding a place to pray, seeking God. It's the Sabbath. But from the Holy Spirit's vantage point, this is a divine appointment. This is a setup for something supernatural to happen where our obedience in walking in the will of God meets the Holy Spirit's work in the hearts of people. And because they walked in obedience and the Holy Spirit went before them and opened up her heart, Lydia got baptized that day. Her whole family got baptized that day. The Bible tells us that she was a, a, a woman who, who dyed purple fabrics. The indication is that she was a wealthy woman, that these were costly fabrics. In fact, the church that was started there on that visit met in her home. Later, Paul would write to this church It's the book of Philippians. And he thanks them for their financial support. Here's a woman who not only got saved, her whole family got saved. She got plugged into the church. She became a host home for the church to meet in. And she financially supported Paul's ministry. Why? Because when we walk in obedience, 
the Holy Spirit shows up and moves. He's working while we're walking. Being a witness is recognizing that the Holy Spirit is already working to the place where you're walking to. So when you go to share with somebody, when you go to talk to somebody about Christ, the Holy Spirit has already gone before you. He's already working in that situation. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you six blessings of being a builder in the body of Christ. I didn't cover all of them, but I, I want to I share one of them with you that we didn't talk about a few weeks ago. And that's this idea of being in community. When we do community right, our love for one another is a greater witness. When we do community right, when we love each other, when we have Christian conversation, when we have Christian community, not just being in the same room with other believers, but actually sharing our faith. I want you to turn with me to a passage in the Gospel of John. John chapter 17. And this is a prayer that Jesus prayed. You know, we often go to uh, Matthew and, and we call that prayer the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But the truth is, that's the disciples' prayer. He said, when you pray, you ought to say. If you want to know what the Lord prayed, you got to go to John 17. And here's his prayer. And I want you to look with me in verse 20. John 17, verse 20. At the prayer that Jesus prayed. He was praying that we would get it right when it comes to Christian community. He said this. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be one so that... Here's why this is so important to Jesus that we get Christian community right. May they be one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Can I tell you why Christian community is so important? Because people want to belong. All people. They want to belong. Listen, if you're a guest here this morning, we're glad you're here. I appreciate you taking the effort to come to a place where you don't belong, a place where everything's unfamiliar, because we've all been there in some setting. We've all experienced that, and we know what it is to be in a place where you don't feel like you belong. I hope you feel like you belong. It's our heart that everyone that comes here would feel like they belong, and it's our heart because it's God's heart. He formed you for family. He calls the orphan and the, and the fatherless son and daughter The Bible says he sets the lonely in families. It's everyone's desire to belong. That's why solitary confinement is one of the worst punishments that you can give a person. To just isolate them. To just not let them have human contact is about the worst punishment that you could give a person. Because people want to belong. The message of the gospel is that he grafted us into the family of God. We didn't belong. We were cut off from God. But now we belong. And here's what Jesus said about the church. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. That's what he called the church. You're the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. What is it, though, that makes the church shine to this community? What is it that makes us so compelling that we cannot be hidden? 
I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's our community. It's when we love one another correctly. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As I look around this room, here's the reality. There are some of us, we have nothing in common outside of Christ. But because of Christ, we can be in community together. Because of Christ, we can be in fellowship together. We can hug one another and pray for one another and rejoice with each other and sorrow with one another because of what Christ has done in our lives. And when we learn to function like that and share life together, the Bible says we're going to have greater influence in this world. We're going we're gonna to shine like a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. There's something contagious and infectious about what we have that the world doesn't have because everybody wants to belong. Our unity is a powerful witness. Being empowered by the Spirit in your witness means that first of all, we recognize the part the Holy Spirit plays. We recognize the role that He has. That when the Spirit is working while we are walking, there is the opportunity for an intersection of the supernatural to take place. That God can move by His Spirit through our obedience. One plants, another waters, but it's God who brings the increase. The Holy Spirit is at work. Secondly, we understand a Spirit-empowered witness means that our unity, our love for each other, is infectious, it's contagious, it's the most compelling thing about the church, that we have love for one another, and we need to get that right. But when it comes to you personally, when it comes to you being a spirit-empowered witness, I have one more point I want to share with you today, and that's simply this, that living a life that bears fruit is an effective witness. I'm talking about people looking at you, the way you talk, the way you handle difficult moments, your attitude, your generosity, your compassion, the way you raise your family, the way you treat your boss, your employees. Talking about where the rubber meets the road in life. You living a life that bears fruit. What I mean by that is Jesus said this. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to know a lot about gardening to, to go out and, and see an apple tree and know it's an apple tree if it has fruit on the vine. And Jesus said, when we look at your life, you bear fruit. And it ought to be evidence of what Christ has done in your life and what He is doing in your life. I, I want you to look at a verse with me in Titus. This is a verse that we looked at carefully a a couple months ago in our grace series. But the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 that the Spirit of God does something in us. He enables us to live differently. And when it comes to you being a Spirit-empowered witness, yes, you can build confidence in knowing what to say. But if the Spirit of God is not influencing your walk, then really you don't have a platform to speak from. It doesn't matter if you know what to say or not. When people look at your life and they see that it doesn't line up with your message, you have no integrity to witness in that moment. So it's important that we understand what the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit wants to empower your witness 
by changing your walk. Here it is, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now that's a powerful verse. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that verse says you're included in the invitation. The grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all people. Whosoever will, you may come. You may find salvation. But look at the next verse. It says the same grace. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in your life right now. If you're saved... If you have a relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of Christ lives on the inside of you. Not only is He, is He leading you and prompting you and, and, and pulling you towards the heart of Christ, He's teaching you how to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, to things you used to say yes to. And the only reason you say no now is because the Spirit of God is teaching you how to say no. One of the greatest mistakes a person could ever make is to begin to try to say no to all the things that that God says you ought to say no to outside of a relationship with Him. That's a definition of religion, of just trying to do right, trying to be right, try to follow all the rules and hoping that God accepts me. You can't do it. I can't do it. We'll fail. In fact, the Bible says we have all failed. We've all failed. We've fallen short of God's standard. But when the Spirit fills us, when we're saved, Now that same spirit begins to teach us and he teaches us how to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. I'm talking about a spirit empowered witness. And when we talk about being spirit empowered in the church, a lot of times we focus on the initial physical evidence of spirit empowerment. I showed you the scripture in Acts 1 verse 8 that talks about Jesus telling them, I'm going to fill you with the Spirit. In Acts 2 and verse 4, we see the, ma- the fulfillment of that promise. On the day of Pentecost, they're all gathered in the upper room. The Spirit fell like tongues of fire, set upon all their heads. They heard a mighty rushing wind, and the Bible says they were all speaking with new tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the initial physical evidence. How did they know they got it? They spoke with new languages. We see that pattern throughout the scripture. When people are filled with the spirit, they speak with new tongues. So we call that the initial physical evidence. But a lot of times that's the only evidence we focus on in the Pentecostal church. And it's to our detriment. Because if you're full of the spirit of God, it's less about your language and more about your lifestyle. Somebody on this side of the room ought to say amen to that too. Being full of the Spirit of God is less about the language and more about the lifestyle. The reality is when His Spirit fills us, He changes our walk. Listen to this verse. Romans 8 verse 12 says this. We have an obligation. You see that? We have an obligation. But it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Next verse. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, he writes, are the children of God. The Spirit doesn't just come to change our talk. He comes to change our walk. 
I'm all for the Acts 2-4 experience. I believe in it. I believe in the initial physical evidence of speaking with new tongues. But we need more than the Acts 2-4 experience. We need the Galatians 5 experience. Anybody know about the Galatians 5 experience? Galatians 5 communicates to us what the fruit of the Spirit is. What is the enduring evidence that you are filled with the Spirit? It's not just that you have a new prayer language. The Bible says this in Galatians 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit that we ought to be known for is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. didn't say that... the Jesus crucified the flesh. It said those that belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can crucify the flesh. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 2, let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I don't know how your attitude's been this week, but we need spirit, we need the Holy Spirit to fill us, not just so that we can have a a spiritual experience on a Sunday morning, not so that we can have a, a new prayer language in our private prayer life, but so that He will impact our lifestyle. We need the Spirit to change the way that we act. We need to stop showing people the fish on our bumper and the bird out the window. We gotta act different. Our walk has to line up with our talk. Spirit-empowered witnesses live differently. They just do. They live differently. There's something compelling about your life when adversity comes. Because you don't panic like the rest of the world panics. There's something about your resolve to stick to your convictions when everybody else is looking for a shortcut. There's something compelling about your attitude when everybody else is upset and mad and angry and everybody's got the Monday morning blues and you've got the joy of the Lord. Can I just say, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but, you know, we so buy in to the culture. We hear people, you know, I mentioned this last week about people, you know, creating uh, almost a holy day out of Friday. You know, we live for the weekend. You know, thank God it's Friday. We have a restaurant we've named after. I mean, man... TGIF. Everything's about the weekend. Listen, today is the day the Lord has made. I don't care if it's Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Hey, you can clap. You can clap. Me and you, Brittany, we're enjoying this this morning. Praise God. (laughs) You know what? We buy into the world's... Oh, it's the Monday blues. We we psych ourselves out before it even gets here. Oh, it's Monday. We ought to live different. We ought to have a pep in our step that the world doesn't understand. What are you so happy about? Man, I got up on this side of the grass. God saved me. He healed me. He delivered me. He gave me another opportunity. He gave me breath. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, not curse Monday. You ought to live different. I ought to live different. The church that Jesus is building, it's the same church that's in Acts chapter 2. 
It's the same church that we're supposed to be building. It's a Pentecostal church. It's a church that is filled with the Spirit of God. And here's what Acts chapter 2 says. After they were filled with the Spirit of God, they took the message to the streets. You know, there's a lot of churches that they, they pray for God to fill them with the Spirit. And, and the worship team plays and the people pray. And boy, the, the Spirit of God comes and, and it moves us. And what do we want to do? We say, hey, let's do that again tomorrow night. Let's schedule a revival. Let's just keep doing this all week. That's not what happened in Acts. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for about 10 days. And when the Spirit fell, it moved them out into the streets. And they began to witness. Because Jesus said in Acts 1-8, we looked at it earlier, when the Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses unto men. One of the evidences of being a truly Pentecostal church is evangelism. It's evangelism. The reality is you can't, you can't be full of the Spirit and be apathetic about lost people. And if we're going to build people, we need to be full of the Spirit of God. Because when I'm not, And by the way, sometimes I'm not. Because you know what I've learned about me and about you? We leak. So I can be full of the Spirit today. But if I don't keep going after the heart of God, I can find myself on empty pretty quick. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? I don't know, maybe, maybe you live on a perpetual high ground, but that's not my reality. I leak. Circumstances punch a hole in my spirit life. And if I don't continue to pursue the heart of God, then I can, I can find myself operating out of routine and not being led by the Spirit. But if we're led by the Spirit, if we're full of the Spirit of God, then the Holy Spirit will show up and He'll work where we're walking and we'll build people in partnership with God Himself. It'll be powerful because it's His power. You know, I read a story, maybe you've heard this story about President McKinley. He was the 25th president of the United States. And on September 6, 1901, he was shot. He was fatally wounded on the grounds of the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, New York, 1901. But he survived the shooting. Unfortunately, the doctors couldn't find the bullet that was lodged in him. And so eight days later, he passed away. He had gangrene. But the fascinating part of the story to me is the reality that they were at the Pan American Expo. And this expo was a platform for the latest and greatest inventions of scientists all around the world. So as the president's laying there, mortally wounded, they didn't realize in that moment that there was a brand new invention just a few yards away. It was the x-ray. Had they known the power that was a few yards away from them, they could have located the bullet. They probably would have saved his life. And the story would have been completely different. They just didn't know. They didn't realize that they had the capability just a few yards away. And I tell that story because I just wonder how many of us are striving And hoping and sure in our heart we'd like to build people. We'd like to be a better witness. We'd like to see our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates come to know Jesus. We just haven't tapped into the power that is just a few yards away. It's right there. It's available. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you 
with his presence. He wants to fill you with power to be an effective witness. And this morning, I want to pray for all of us, but I want to give an opportunity for some of you to respond specifically to this moment. Because here's the reality. If you're saved, if you know Jesus, the Bible says that it's the Spirit of Christ who lives in us. He's with us right now. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. The thief on the cross never pursued the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He put his faith in Jesus, and that was enough. That was enough. But Jesus said very clearly to his disciples, and he says to us, the spirit that is with you, he will be in you. That's what he told his disciples. He will be in you. And Jesus has given us the power to be effective witnesses. That's how we build people. And so if you're here today and you say, you know, I want that. I want the spirit of God to fill me. I want to know that I'm filled. Say, how do I know I'm filled? Because there's evidence. It's initial. That means it's the first thing. It's physical. That means it actually happens through you and in you. It's evidence. It's convincing. The Bible says they all spoke with new tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God wants to give you a a prayer language, a powerful prayer language. This week, I don't want to belabor this, but I just want you to know why this is so important to me. This week, I got a phone call early in the week, late at night. It was a family, someone that we know, someone that we love. They called. There was, there was crisis in their voice. I knew immediately, this is bad. I said, what happened? They told me that their 26-year-old daughter had attempted suicide, put a gun to her head. They were on their way to the hospital. They didn't know if she was dead or alive. Asked me if I would come meet them there. I'm going to tell you, in, in that 15-minute drive to LGH, I didn't know what to pray. The Bible says this. When we know not the words to pray, the Spirit prays through us. And I, I just begin to pray in the Spirit. I just began to pray in my prayer language that the Holy Spirit gave me when Jesus baptized me. And I began to just pray and God began to bring peace into my car and began to give me just the words to say. He began to just calm my heart and and reposition and recalibrate my faith to believe God for a miracle. And God has been performing a miracle. That young lady yesterday hugged her loved ones. She hugged them. She requested a pen that she could write a message. Now, the message wasn't intelligible, but this is a person who experienced incredible brain trauma within a week. She's hugging her her family and mouthing the words, I love you. That's amazing. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I I want the Spirit of God to fill me. I want the Spirit of God to fill me. I want to invite you. 
in this moment to end this service around these altars and to take a moment and seek God with me. I want to ask them to just put on some worship in the back. And just before I I invite you to move this direction, would you stand with me all over this room? You're looking at a person this morning who believes that everything that I do that is of any value in the ministry, I do in partnership with the Holy Spirit. As we prayed for the sick earlier in this service, we did it with absolute dependence and confidence that the Holy Spirit is working. Because we can't work miracles. We don't have that power outside of the Spirit enabling us. But the Bible does say we shall lay hands. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So this morning before the service, some of us were praying in my office. And one of the brothers, he came to anoint me with oil. And I said, no, 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 anoint my hands. Don't anoint my head, anoint my hands today. Because I believe there's something powerful that happens when we come in agreement. This is not hocus pocus. This is not superstition. This is an application of the word of God. And it's why oftentimes we give you an invitation to say, would you come to the altar? Because God is not geographically limited. God can move right back there just as easily as he can move right here. God's not limited by time or space. But yet God responds to faith. And I believe that if you'll take a step of faith and you'll step towards a place. If you'll take a step of obedience and allow someone to come in contact with you, to come in agreement with you, God meets us in those moments. And so I just want to open these altars and I don't want to just limit this moment to seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit because maybe you're here today and you just want to come in contact with somebody that will pray a prayer of faith with you. We want to pray for you. So just for these last few moments, we'll be dismissing soon. I'm going to pray. And if you're here and you say, you know what, I want the Holy Spirit to fill me. Maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit before. You've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God can fill you today. He desires that for you. It's a gift. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you say, you know what, I've experienced that, but I leak. And I've been running on empty. Maybe you're missing that personal prayer language and maybe, more importantly, you're missing that lifestyle that builds people and calls them towards Christ. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, I want to challenge you in a moment to come and to find a place at this altar. Just begin to seek Him. Say, Jesus, I need you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. But if you're here today and you have a need, you want someone to pray with you, we have the anointing oil here at the altar. And I want to do exactly what the Bible says. We want to lay hands on the sick and anoint them with oil and believe that the prayer of the righteous availeth much that the sick shall be made well. So, Father, right now, I come in agreement with believers all over this house that are praying. God, we're asking you to show up in this moment because we recognize that everything that you've called us to do, you enable to do by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. How desperately we need you. We can't be the people you've called us to be. We can't have the influence you've called us to have. 
unless we're yielded and fully cooperating with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you are the soul winner. Lord, would you fill us? Would you fill us with your Spirit? God, we're asking you to move right now in a supernatural way.